0: The following podcast is an excerpt of the book Our Fractured Image, available on Amazon as a paperback, ebook, or audiobook. In this chapter, we will look at the burden of isolation through a different lens. God's completed creation was very good. Isolation is a heavy weight, and God did not create humans with the intent of carrying that weight. The experience of separation from God and our fellow man was not part of God's creation plan for humans. As I will show in this chapter, the experience of the burden of isolation is the result of a fracture that occurred in man's God image when man disobeyed God. Genesis 1 verses 26 to 27 from the Amplified Version records the creation of the first man. Then God said, Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image, according to our likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. All of creation, light, darkness, earth, sky, waters, dry land, plants, trees, sun, moon, stars, seasons, days, years, fish, birds, and all living creatures came into being with God's Word. God spoke creation into existence, but not man. God created humanity differently than all the rest of creation. The physical substance of man came from the dust of the earth God had already spoken into existence. God's hands created and formed a man's body, and then man was given life and spirit by the breath of God. Humanity is unique among all creation, for no other part of creation was brought to life with the breath of God. Man is a body and a spirit, with an essence both physical and spiritual. God imprinted humanity with his image. This image of God is the essence of who we are as humans and is what makes us different from the rest of creation. The purpose of this image was to allow men to have an intimate relationship with God. When Adam turned his back on God in the garden, the image of God was not lost. It became fractured what we now experience is a heavy burden. We know something is not right. When I was in medical school, I managed to stay fit by running marathons and playing hockey. My marathon training gave me fitness and speed that was an asset when it came to playing hockey. I was fit and I was fast, but I was not skilled. I was a poor hockey player. One winter night, In 1977, I had a great hockey player night. I was faster than most nights and I felt great. I was able to steal the puck from an opposing player and race down the ice with fantastic speed. I took my predictable weak shot and hit the goalie in the chest. But unfortunately, I forgot to stop in time and hit the end boards with enough force to fracture my left lower leg. For the next several months I painfully hobbled around with a cast and crutches. What was once my glory, my steadfast fast legs, was now my weakness and a significant source of pain. What happened to the image of God in us as people is very similar to my fractured leg experience. The pieces are all still present, but now they cause pain and anguish. The image is always the image, but the experience of the image has changed. What was to be our glory is still our glory, but now it is experienced as a burden. What was to be our strength is always our strength, but it now feels like a significant weakness. If we live according to the God-given image, we are content. But if we live contrary to that image, The consequences are discontent, pain, turmoil, and a whole lot of wasted energy. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? How are we to live according to that image? There are several elements to the God image. One of the components of the image of God is the capacity for relationship. We were made to have high-quality relationships with God and our fellow man. We get so used to poor-quality relationships, we don't even ask how to recognize a good-quality relationship. The essential elements of a high-quality relationship are love, trust, and authenticity. If any of these elements is missing or weak, the relationship immediately begins to deteriorate. No relationship can stand for long on any one of these elements alone. They all need to be in place. Love is considering others above yourself. It is not allowing yourself to be distracted by your struggles, but choosing to be aware of the struggles and turmoil in someone else. Love is other-focused, and not self-focused. Trust is consistency in word and action. What you say is what you do. Authenticity is consistency in word, action, and character. What you say and do is who you are, with no pretense or deception. God is a relational God. He is three in one, He is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is three but relationally one. God is intimately connected to his creation and extends love and mercy towards humanity. As it says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10 from the Amplified Translation, For the mountains may be removed, and the hills may shake. But my loving kindness will not be removed from you, Nor will my covenant of peace be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God's Word is His action, and His Word is His character. God is trustworthy and authentic. He is what He says He is. As recorded in John 1 verse 1 from the Amplified Translation, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He knows us better than we know ourselves, and has not rejected us. Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6 from the Amplified Translation O Lord, you have searched me thoroughly and have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up my entire life, everything I do. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, still unspoken, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and you have placed your hand upon me. Such infinite knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high above me. I cannot reach it. God demonstrates himself by love, trust, and authenticity with the Godhead towards humanity and his creation. God is trustworthy. 2 Samuel 7, verse 28 from the NIV. Sovereign Lord you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. God is authentic. He does not pretend to be something else or try to deceive. He is the I am. God said to Moses, I am who I am, and he said, you shall say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3, verse 14 from the Amplified Translation. Created humanity was to reflect God's quality of relationship. Genesis 3, verse 8 tells us that Adam and Eve recognized the sound of God walking in the garden. Humanity was to walk in harmony with God, to have a quality relationship with God and His fellow man. Adam worked with God. He talked to God. God instructed him. Adam trusted God. For some time, Adam did not hide from God. He remained authentic before God. We were created to be in harmony with one another, to complement one another. Now the Lord God said, It is not good, beneficial, for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Genesis 2, verse 18 from the Amplified Translation. We were formed to complement each other and not to strive against one another. We were designed to enhance or emphasize the qualities of each other. We were designed to love one another. We were designed to trust and And be trustworthy. We were designed to be authentic and sincere. We still bear God's image. We are to have high quality relationships with God and our fellow man. God intends that we share these high quality relationships with other image bearers who are expressing the image of God they bear through love, trustworthiness, and authenticity. Without these relationships, we will experience discontentment. God did not form the man out of the dust of the ground to create a zombie-like, perpetually contented creature who would worship and serve him as a human puppet. Part of being made in God's image meant humanity had the ability and power for self-determination. God created us with a free will. Adam used his free will to set his course and turned his back on God. At the end of the sixth day, God looked at his creation and declared that it was very good. Creation was free from sin, self-centeredness, rebellion, discontent, and death. Adam and Eve looked at God's creation and like all men and women since, and they wanted more. Adam and Eve's act was a willful act of disobedience towards God, and the consequences were severe. Into God's very good creation entered death, shame, blame, and the fear of God's presence. Humanity was left to solve their own problems. Humanity lost their intimate fellowship with God. They were removed from the garden but retained the memory of what they had lost. We still hold in our DNA the memory of that time in the garden. We know God created us for a life in a very good creation. We know God made us for more, but because of sin and disobedience, we experience a life of pain, turmoil, and death. The image of God in man was not lost, but the consequences were devastating. God made us for high-quality, image-bearing relationships that we now experience as the burden of isolation. We feel very much alone, that no one understands us, and our problems are somehow unique, so it is up to us to solve them. We think our painful life experiences are more painful than anyone else's. We know God made us for a level and quality of relationship we are not experiencing. We are living with a fractured, unfulfilled image, and we feel very much alone. Like Adam and Eve, we are aware of our inadequacies and spend our lives hiding from God and our fellow man. We are now afraid of God's presence as we desperately try to solve our unbearable situation. We know we will face rejection if we are known for who we are. So we hide behind a projected image of who we think would be more acceptable. We live an exhausting life of pretense and deception. We give away our authenticity. We give away our image. We pick up an image we think would be more accepted we live a lie hoping we will be less isolated and in the process increase our awareness of our isolation. As we live our life of pretentious lies among others who are living pretentious lives, we learn that it is dangerous to trust. We read in Jeremiah 17, verse 5 from the Amplified Translation that in this state, cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind making weak, frail human flesh his strength, and whose mind and heart turn away from the Lord. We now experience what should be high quality relationships with distrust and disappointment. The felt pain of isolation and poor quality relationships leads to a life of self-protection and self-service. This life might look good from the outside, But deep down, it is self-serving. As we lose awareness of the pain and struggles of others, our love begins to grow cold, and our sense of isolation grows even more significant. The relational component of the image of God in our lives is fractured, and no matter how hard we try or how loving we try to be, we cannot fix it. We cannot fix this terminal problem on our own. But we have a loving God who has provided a path to restoration. God's plan, through the sacrificial death and resurrection of his son, is to provide a way back to him and an opportunity for the healing of our fractured image. Our rebellion against God came with a consequence. The consequence Was death. God's provision for restoration required the death of His Son. His death was an unjust sacrifice. He did not deserve to die. We all deserve to die, but because of God's love, grace, and mercy, He died so we can now live and experience a restored relationship with God. Christ knew what it was like to be human and what it was like to live in an evil world. He was tempted to turn from God in the same ways we have, yet he did not turn away from God. In Hebrews 4 verse 15 from the Amplified Translation, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations but one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Christ's death was much more than an execution by crucifixion. He experienced the pain and anguish of all our rebellion. He experienced all our physical and emotional distress and yet he did not rebel or turn against God. He suffered a degree of pain no human has ever experienced. Jesus experienced the full meaning of the burden of isolation. Someone who he trusted betrayed him, betrayed him with a kiss. His friends abandoned him during his hour of greatest need. He was in anguish and they were asleep. One of his closest friends denied that he knew him, not once but three times. His disciples deserted him and fled at the time of his arrest. He was falsely accused and mocked and no one came to his defense. He experienced the physical pain of being forced to wear a crown of thorns, of being struck repeatedly, the weight of carrying the cross, and into his hands and feet were driven the nails. He hung on the cross, alone, abandoned by his trusted friends, and yet he did not cry out. He only cried out when he experienced the most significant isolation possible, and experience no other man has ever experienced. He cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was abandoned and forsaken by his father, God, and yet he remained obedient. He suffered this for you and me so we can have a restored relationship with God. In Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22 from the Passion Translation, we read, Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. We can now live through faith with a restored God image. Are you experiencing the impact of living with a relational fracture in your image? Do you feel like you are isolated and alone? Are you tired of living in a world of lies where you feel like you cannot trust anyone? Are you exhausted from trying to live up to others' expectations that have caused you to abandon your authenticity? Are you tired of relating to people who are not authentic? Has self-centeredness gotten you discouraged and discontented? Are you filled with bitterness and greed? Are you longing for healthy relationships? This cry is from the heart of your fractured image. We cannot deny that God made us for so much more. We are to live with a restored image and we can live that way because of the work Christ accomplished on the cross. Our part is to accept his gift of a restored life and then to begin to live. Live with a restored image. We can live with trust in God's promise in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 From the King James Version. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Unfortunately, the door to Eden is still locked. This side of heaven, we are left dealing with a fallen, rebellious world and the pain involved in living as a part of that world. This reality, however, is not an excuse for self-protective, self-centered living. With a restored, intimate relationship with God, we can show the world the experience of God's kind of relationship. If we do our part and live the God image, God will provide all the comfort and direction we need while living in this crazy upside-down world. We are free to be loving because He first loved us, as in 1 Peter 4, verse 8 from the Amplified Translation. Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others and Ephesians 4, verses 2 to 3 from the Amplified Translation. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control, with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love, make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. God's kind of love is thinking of others more than thinking of ourselves. It is being more aware of the struggles of others than our felt pain. God image relationship looks to give and not to get. In this relationship, there is contentment because we are living the way we were designed to live. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7 from the Amplified Translation describes this kind of love. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, and it is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked or overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth, when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. We can now live freely with properly placed trust as described in Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6 from the Passion Translation. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do, and He will lead you wherever you go. Our issue is not so much with trustworthiness as it is in the faith we have in what or whom we place our trust. The Bible makes it very clear to trust God and do not trust our fellow man. We need to trust only in Him who is faithful. We do not need to fear authenticity or waste our life with exhausting pretense. God knows us thoroughly and still loves us. As stated in Psalm 139 from the Passion Translation, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. If we are free to be authentic with God, the most significant relationship on our lives, then we should be free to be more authentic with the rest of our life. We should not be afraid of solitude, and it is a time we can ask God to search our hearts and reveal to us the areas where we need to repent and change. He will point out the areas that require cleaning. We need to get the broom and dustpan and begin sweeping. As we walk with Him, we should be changing. Changing in a way that frees us to provide to others the kind of relationship God would desire. Our faith is communicated by how we relate. It is not our bumper stickers or tattoos. It is how we love others that they will recognize if we are indeed the children of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 from the Passion Translation lists the fruit of the spirit But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. We are not to consume this fruit in quiet solitude for our personal pleasure. They are to be nourishment for others and evidence of God's love towards us. As we learn to trust God and walk as He would have us walk in faith, we will see healing in our sense of isolation and loneliness. In Him, there is resolution to the burden of isolation. In Him, there is contentment and God's kind of connectedness.